Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is your favorite stylist, favorite stylist, the one and only leader of all things luxury and the soft girl society, Sinet Nicole, and you are tapped in and tuned in and turned on to the best and most stylish podcast around. Sinet Nicole approved the podcast only on 92.6 The Spot. And today's episode is definitely just a style and soul retrospective. So if you are part of the Sinet Nicole Style Squad, or if you've ever heard a Sinet Nicole podcast episode or been a part of a Sinet Nicole experience, you know that I not only style clothes, but I soothe souls. I am not a monolith. I am all-encompassing and very much... Uh, operate under the guise that intrinsically how you feel about yourself and about your life's journey directly aligns with your visual composition and the style story that you want to tell. And all of my clients know the first thing I ask them is what is your style story or what is the style story that you would like to tell? Before you open your mouth, when you move through the world visually, you are already telling a style story and how good you feel about yourself or how confident you feel about your visual presentation shines through no matter how bomb the outfit is, no matter how expensive the garments may be, nothing beats intrinsic feelings of joy and just goodness within and so it is very important that the two align and that's why I have a style and soul approach to everything um when we talk about origin stories I always interview guests and ask them first what their origin stories are here on Sinet Nicole Approves and my origin story you'll have to read about in my New York Times bestselling memoir whenever it gets completed, you know, speaking it into existence. Um, but a little bit about the origin of Sinet Nicole and who I am is directly aligned with my mother, obviously the person who made me, who, who gave me life. And um, unfortunately, you know, she is, she is no longer with us, but she is with me every day. She lives within me. Um, and her tenacity and her spirit and her magic radiates through me every day. And she's literally, um, the reason why I'm able to be here with you guys today and every week and why I'm able to continue to push through and persevere through my life's journey and to continue to not just survive, but thrive. And so, um, in thinking about her this week, um, would have been her birthday and in thinking about that. And in thinking about what she instilled in me and how she has impacted my thought process, my way of being, my passion for fashion, uh, for helping others, for being able to use my platform to uplift, entertain, and inform, um, I like I said, the origin, the blueprint is her. You know, everything is her. Obviously, my father, you know, plays a role in my passion for fashion and my um, spearheading of my fashion career and a lot of my pizzazz, you know, also includes him. But when we talk about the givers of life, right, women and all that women have to endure in this life, just to be, just to be able to have the freedom to frolic, the freedom to experience real joy outside of the sacrifices that they make to everyone else. They live their lives, and I can speak from personal experience, they live their lives in service to others, whether they want to or not in some form or another. And a lot of what people 
see in them or a lot of what people appreciate them for is usually uh, involves what they can do for the said party and is really wrapped in the idea of them being in service to other people. And although my business is service-based, I have learned through my mother's life's journey, although it was short, that it is important to thrive in this life and not just survive. It is important not to live your life of service to others, even though you are a pivotal part of the lives of those around you. And oftentimes others find you as the rock um, and the person who holds down the fort for them. It is important to have joy within your life. And I would like to think that my mother ha had joy, not just in being a mother because she was by far the best woman I've ever known and the best mother I've ever known. But I, before she was my mother, she was a woman. And in looking at her pictures this week and, and, and celebrating her, I celebrate her every day and I, you know, I look at her pictures daily and I talk to her <laughs> um, and I write to her and all kinds of therapeutic things that help me to cope with grief. But in this particular week, I took out a gang of photos um, of her and her youth before she was a, a mom. And I can see joy, you know, I can see joy in her visual presentation, which she took great pride in. And I'll get into that a little bit later about how she inspired me visually and fashion wise. But more importantly, she was the epitome and the personification of genuineness, of love, of support, of beauty, of grace, of integrity, um, and of just being the most transparent person you can be. And I don't think there's anything more freeing and better than just being exactly who you are without making any apologies and moving through the world in a way that impacts others and that makes other people feel just as good as you look, just as good as you, just as good as the energy that you give off, you, you radiate that and, and project it onto others. And so I don't, I don't know a person that has any, that has ever said anything negative about my mother. In fact, I always knew how great of an impact she made just by my family members' reactions to all of the things that she has done for them, all of the things that she has said to encourage them. But just in general, even people I didn't know she knew in her passing, you know, came to her services and um, have reached out throughout the years and just to tell me stories I've never heard of how she's positively impacted them. And so I've made it my life's work to move through the world to hopefully positively impact others and not just do things for the sake of doing them, but do everything with purposeful um, intent, love and light like she did. And so I say all of that to say that this episode is dedicated to my mom, Jeanette Marie. Um, obviously, my name is Sinette, so my name derives from... Her name, as well as my dad, is a combination of their names together. My dad's name is Isantis, which is which can also be a derivative of Sanchez, which is what everybody calls him, aside from his other nicknames. And so it's San from his name, and the net from my mom's name is Sanet, which is my name. And um, I love my mom's name. I love everything about my mother. Certainly... I would hope that, you know, when my daughter is older and she looks back on our relationship, she feels the same way. And there's no such thing as a perfect parent, but 
all of her efforts are not unnoticed. And I think that when you become a mother, you start to see your parents, your mother in particular, in a completely different light and through a completely different lens. You have no real clue, even though you can obviously see the sacrifices made throughout the years, you have no real clue until you are put in position to make said sacrifices for your child, the amount of time, effort, um, courage, tenacity, and just overall resilience that it takes to be a mother. And I can only imagine how much harder it was back in the day in the 90s late 80s, 90s, to to not only have a child, but to move through the world without like the technological assistance or, you know, the things that we, we have now. And so there are so many lessons that I could take away from her. There, My mom had this way, and I guess it's a lot of what my friends tell me, that I have this way about myself, this Iyala-esque um, way and providing words of wisdom and mantras. You know, I live my life wrapped up in, in mantras and um, mantras and sayings, words of wisdom and alliterations. And my mom had this impromptu way of giving and providing words of encouragement and wisdom without knowing how profound they were at the time. And I told myself in book writing, um, I want to also write a book of all the things, a combination of like her quotes and my um, curated quotes, um, and just combine them in a way that is helpful to others if ever they find themselves in situations where they need, you know, some words of encouragement or something profound to build upon, um, in their, in whatever moment they're experiencing. And so, um, one of the one of the one million things that she said that lives rent-free in my head forever is you don't have to look like what you're going through, right? And so yesterday in speaking to some uh, colleagues in, in the media space, I was commended upon the way I move through the world, how optimistic I am, how glass half full my approach is despite all of the things that I've been through, full disclosure, if you've heard other Senate Nicole approved episodes or have ever seen me on live, having my Senate Nicole Saturday live chats um, with other parties and creatives, I'm always extremely transparent about my past and about all the things, the trials, the tribulations, and tragedies that I've endured. And so in saying that, the party was basically saying, you know, it's you know, your, your, your story is inspiring. It's really admirable that you can still move through the world with such positivity and things of that nature, despite what you've gone through. And so I thought of what my mother said, which is you don't have to look like what you're going through. It doesn't negate that you're going through it. Right. And, and that leads us to the, the quote, you don't judge a book by its cover. Just because someone looks great doesn't mean that their life has been perfect or without struggle or without strife. Um, but I strive to, to present myself in a way that is always transparent, but just operating under the guise of the direction I'm going, which is abundance and joy and thriving in one's journey. And so in thriving and, in, in, in moving in the spirit of thriving, 
I I want my visual presentation to match the way, not that I feel every single day because I'm human, but I want it to match. I want my visual presentation to match the direction in which I am manifesting for my life what I'm bringing into fruition into my world, right? And for what God in the universe is going to present to me because I operate in the spirit of what is going to be. And so in channeling that good energy, those blessings, that abundance, that joy, that life is truly all about, my presentation should reflect that. Every day is not going to be top tier, stellar, head to toe amazingness. But I'm damn sure going to make sure that I look as good as I feel or would like to manifest myself to feel. And so with that being said, there are just certain things that I do every day, every week as rituals to keep my visual presentation up. Because like I said, both play into each other. Your visuals play into how you feel inside intrinsically and how you feel inside intrinsically plays into and spills over into your visual presentation and sometimes when you're having like a whack-ass week or whatever you know life is just lifing as it always does and things are going in a direction that you don't particularly love or things are just hard things are just hard and things are Turbulent, what I like to call turbulence. When I always say turbulence is temporary, right? Like when you're on the plane, it doesn't last always. It's a little issue here and there and you'll feel it for a few minutes and then it goes away. And so I like to think of the harder times in my life as temporary turbulence. So not to claim it, right? And hold on to the feeling, but to acknowledge the feeling and navigate through. And so in saying all that, I say all that to say that my visual presentation is also important. And when I feel like I don't want to put on, that pops into my head. And sometimes your visual presentation can inspire someone else who you may feel comfortable enough to disclose and be transparent about your journey to, to get in the groove of improving upon their visual presentation and not for other people, but for themselves. You know, there's, there was a question posed yesterday um, when I was chatting with my fellow station mates. Shout out to the Not Right, Not Wrong podcast for having me on this week. And uh, we were talking about who women dress for and who men dress for. And people overall in general, I would hope that at some point in their life, be it their mate or whomever, you know, or fellow guys and girls out and about who they want to stun on maybe that is the motivation for them to look good and that's great but I will hope that at some point at least once in the person's life that they would dress for them when I go out and I tell everyone every guy that I've ever dated or been with this same thing I literally dress for me I dress for me because not only am I engulfed in the world and enamored in the world of fashion and style it is not just a part of my life is my way of life. So it makes me feel a sense of joy to know that I that I look good, that I'm putting on. It's not to pump fake or posture for anyone else around me. It's not to fish for compliments. It's literally because 
I like how I feel when I look in the mirror and I complete a look in an ensemble and I'm telling a style story that's authentic to me and that slays. So I'm shutting it down, <laughs> not for him, her, or the other one. I'm shutting it all the way down for me. So that's me personally. And I think that it, just, it depends on how you feel about visual presentation and style. If any, you know, but it would be my hope that at some point somebody would dress for themselves. And in getting back to what my mom said about not looking like what you're going through, I think that that plays into me doing it for myself, right? Because I have to push through and persevere for myself before I am a mother, before I am a sister, before I'm a friend, a cousin, a girlfriend, a wife, whomever. I am Sinet Nicole and I can't be anything to those people if I'm no one to myself. And before my mother was a mother, she was a woman and I know that she was battle tested, <laughs> battle tested beyond belief and measure. It is only through the grace of God and her own uh, will to create a life that was fruitful for herself, myself, my siblings, that she was able to persevere through those things. And I've been battle tested myself. And so I know that sometimes when life is out of control, you only have control over certain things. And it's important to focus on what you can control instead of what you can't. And sometimes all you can control is your lipstick. <laughs> all you can control is how your eyebrows look, your nails, curling, putting a couple curls in your head, throwing on, you know what I'm saying, pressing a, a, pressing a garment and throwing on something that makes you smile. Maybe you can't control your, the circumstances around you, but maybe your visuals are the only thing you can control. And I, and, and I don't know, like I said, where that mantra came from, but I, when I think about it, I dissect it in those ways. Like maybe in the moments when she was battle tested, all she had was her cute suede booties and her leather jackets. My mom was all about she had a few staples. One of her staples were like booties. Like all the booties, the stacked heel booties with the square toe, whatever that everybody's wearing now. That was like my mother's favorite piece of footwear. It was always a thing for her. And when they came back around as it relates to the style world, I instantly thought of her and bought a gang of them specifically because it just made me feel closer to her in a way, in a way to honor her. So I have suede booties and leather booties and these um, special embroidered booties that look like, kind of like an upholstered chair in a way, like a like a fabric from a, it's crazy, but I love them. Um, And so they were all remind me of her, the stacked tail booties. She was very much into skins. And I think that's where I get my love and affinity I won't say obsession <laughs> I don't necessarily like the word obsession for a multitude of reasons but sometimes it's necessary to use but in this case we'll say it's bordering on obsession but it's literally an affinity for skins and textures and a lot of the capsule collections that I curate have some sort of skin or texture um even down to the way in which I use uh, hand-painted um pieces and the way in which I curate 
even something as simple as a t-shirt collection. Most people who have purchased any Sinet Nicole items, thank you to you guys. But anybody who noticed the quality of not only the materials, but just there was some sort of texture that you could touch and feel on each garment. That's just like one of my little tidbits in Sinet Nicole's signatures. And so I think that I get that from her and my dad too, because he was really, he was definitely a fur and leather lover. He was a mink, fur, everything fur. Anytime he bought me a coat, it had to have fur on it. And if it wasn't real fur, he would call you out. He was very big on fur. Peter would have hated him, the Peter organization, because he didn't give a damn about that. But um, my mom was very much like that too. Um, she just loved, she loved natural colors. Um, and when I say that, I mean like nudes and browns and uh, shades of fall, I would say. And maybe because she was a fall baby, you know, this um, November 8th is her birthday. So she loved like that brisk weather right before it gets super cold. And I think she also liked it because her jacket collection was immaculate. Her style in general was immaculate and top tier. And she had this way about her where her jacket was like a signature. I was looking at photos of her and I realized that her jackets outside of her booties and her purses, and that's a whole nother thing. I, I would say my, I have an obsession with handbags and affinity for handbags. Um, so much so that I've studied them. I can tell you what kind of leather or skin is on a bag from like several feet away. So, and that comes from her as well, but I digress. So her coat game was immaculate, top tier. I loved all her leather coats. And in my mind, I used to always think, when I get a certain age, I'm going to just go in mother's closet and borrow some leather coats and get it popping out here. But I was fortunate enough that she just got me my own little, you know, leathers and I just grew my own collection. I noticed that she was into patchwork which I think is dope. And I think that that plays into why I cut pieces up and put and recreate and remix pieces all the time. Like I'll take two jackets and make it one. I love patchwork. She definitely loved darker lips, like lipsticks. She had an affinity for belts. And that's probably why I belt every damn thing down to the ground for the past like 15 years. I took a break recently, but yesterday, I'm not going to lie, I found one of my old belts and I was in kind of like a fashion kerfuffle where I had a last minute meeting and I happened to have the belt in my bag and it pulled the whole, like I switched from jeans to a skirt and threw this little um, sweater and belted it and it pulled the whole look together. And as soon as I saw the belt, I thought of my mom, mainly because it was like a fall color, it was like a green um uh, hunter green with gold embellishments my mother was very big on gold as well and I think that's why I love gold I also feel like it just radiates the skin in a way that white gold or platinum just doesn't it's no shade to that but I always think to myself like I always say I wonder what my next engagement ring would look like if it was in a gold band setting with like a Cartier love ring as as the um as the wedding band, because I love the Cartier Love Collection. And I just think there's just something so radiant about gold on melanin skin. And my mom was really big on gold jewelry. She was big on, she loved hoops. She loved a good short haircut too. But the crazy part about it is, 
I come from a family of girls who have very long, thick, luxurious hair, but it takes forever to do because everybody's hair is so thick. A blessing in disguise, but when you're younger, you just can't take <laughs> You cannot take it. Um, and so she was very big on healthy hair. She actually could do hair great. She could cook, do hair. She was, uh, the. I call myself Little Miss All the Things, but she, all encompassing. She was the OG Miss All the Things, all encompassing. For real, for real. Um, the only skill that I didn't get from her was doing hair, <laughs> but the cooking, definitely, I have borrowed her hands, um, since she left this earth for sure. Absolutely. And I feel like because she could do hair and she knew what it takes to keep healthy hair, she was very specific about things that we could and could not do with our hair. And even into adulthood, I was scared to like dye my hair or do certain things that she kind of like put the fear of God in me about. Like I, I'm sure anyone who was close with their mom or who have had who has had a good relationship with their mom could attest to like that guilt that when when you you know when you're so close to your mom they they know the power that they have to like instill this fear and guilt if you do something they told you not to do it like resonates with you through adulthood so it took me until literally she was in a coma literally like before she passed away to dye my hair and I think I did it as a means to distract myself from the anxiety I felt day in and day out watching her um in the hospital bed in ICU and I told her <laughs> while she was like unconscious like mom I got my hair don't don't you know don't kill me when you wake up but I got my I dyed my hair and I swore she squeezed my hand too when I said that like girl what did I tell you about putting bleach in your hair I always have had and been fortunate enough to have like a reddish auburn tint to my hair my hair's never been black I was born with a lighter color hair but I wanted it super light and prior to when she got sick, I used to just, you know, weave it up. You want a light color, put on a wig, weave it up. That's what we do, you know, as a protection for black women. We would rather um, explore colors through hair that's not ours than to damage our own hair. I thought to myself, listen, I, I know how to treat my hair. You taught me my whole life how to treat it. You know, I have a bonus mom who's a hairstylist who's amazing. I'm not going to let anybody else dye my hair but her. I mean, even she was like, I don't know, should we do this? You know, we can, you know, we're going to treat it, but still. And I'm like, listen, my hair is so thick. It can come back from anything. I've shaved it off. I've cut it, did everything. And it's always come back. But my mother, even though, like I said, she loves her short haircut, she didn't want us to cut anything, chop anything off, or explore with any damaging colors or chemicals. So I did this super, like, honey blonde, like, dye. I did this short haircut. I thought it was cute. Like I said, it was a worthy, just, uh, it was just something to do to like distract myself from everything that was going on, but it was short lived. After a while I was like, ah, my, my regular hair color is light and I could just wig it or weave it next time. It wasn't, it was lackluster. Like she was right. Like I didn't have to do it. She was definitely right. Um, but my hair didn't fall out. Thank God. I treated it. I just let the color grow out. And I guess that is the beauty of having thick hair. You can come back from anything, even uh, bleach honey blonde nonsense that I was doing at the time. And I think that, like I said, little things like that resonate, but like everything resonates. And obviously, as you get older, you realize that you have to do what works for you in life, not what worked for your parents. But I think that the basis and the foundation for who I am um, 
lies heavily in the things that she instilled in me. There are modifications that I've made uh, several throughout the years in my adulthood because I have to do what works for me. She was always encouraging of doing what makes me happy, what is authentic to me despite what others say around me, and to always let me know that the only one I'm accountable to is myself and God. Um, as um, as it relates to like how I live my life and the decisions I make that affect me solely, um, the only person that I'm uh, well uh, obligated to, I would say, is myself and God outside of now my child. Um, and those, you know, the only people who can judge me is the person above, the man above. So she was not a judgmental parent or person. She was very much in the spirit of live and let live, but she was definitely never going to pull any punches. And she was very hilarious and always going to tell you about yourself. And sometimes it was blunt, but most times it was necessary, especially when it came to visuals. Like <laughs> she had her own style and she didn't give a damn what anybody thought about it or what year it was or, or whether it resonated with the masses because she didn't give a damn. But she damn sure was going to tell you about your fit if you walked out without really saying like, yuck, what are you doing? She would be like, oh, that's what you're wearing? <laughs> um, And it was really like shade, but no shade. Like, oh, really? Like, what are you? Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. But she had a way of doing it that would probably make, you know, people second guess because even though she told her children and just her siblings and people who looked up to her, not to worry about what nobody thought. Everyone was cognizant or cared about what she thought just because of her magnanimous presence. And so I think that <laughs> it was funny, but low-key shady. Like, my mom could be shady, for sure. But I think it was more so, like, they say there's no such thing. They say there is a such thing as fun shade. And before I was like, there's no such thing as fun shade. But then when I think back to some of the things my mom used to say... I can see that as fun shade. She definitely had no malicious intent. Um, and she definitely was one of those people that as just as much as she would make, you know, crack her jokes or whatever, she would support you and uplift you 10 times over and be your biggest cheerleader. And she doesn't play. She didn't play about the people she loved at all under no circumstances. And, you know, for that reason, one of her nicknames used to be stick and move. And as just as strong as she was and just as far away as we're running as women as black women particularly from the strong black woman energy aura and trope just as strong as she was and as evident at that her strength and resilience was she was just as feminine she was just as much of a soft girl as she was a strong girl and i think hindsight is 2020 because I probably didn't realize how hyper feminine she was until I realized, you know, I've always known really that I'm a soft girl, but I had to realize that that derived from her. Like where else did I get it from? Then her and my, you know, my grandmother and my aunts and the other females around me, like my hyper feminine energy, my soft girl energy, um, outside of my unwavering tenacity like her and my incalculable strength like hers my feminine energy my divine feminine energy and my soft girl existence is literally strength it's literally the strongest thing about me it's literally the thing 
that can catapult the type of life that I see for myself. Like that's how I bring things into fruition, not just from being a strong black woman, but more so from tapping into the hyper feminine. So there was no one more strong in the world. I've never met a stronger woman, but I've also never met a more hyper feminine woman. And I've never met a woman that didn't make any apologies about being domestic, wanting the best of, you know, fabrics and skins and furs and making sure that her nails and her hair were done every other week and making sure that the house was tidy and clean and all of those things, but also making sure that she can be all encompassing and the best example for what a woman should be um, in this life, but also never compromising on her standard of living, her standard in relationships and how she deserved to be treated. And that is the hyper feminine acting. And so like, that's why it's important again, to see things through different lenses because when it's like a revelation almost to be like, for so long, society has curated this idea that as women and as black women, that we have to act super independent and figure everything out on our own. And although my mother has shown and proved time and time again, that that's exactly what she could do, she did do, and always has done. She never shied away from the side of her that that lends itself to the hyper soft girl and feminine. She was all encompassing. And that's why I always say I'm not a monolith because you don't have to be. You don't have to be. You don't have to subscribe to any of society's ideas of who you should be. You should live authentically in your truth. You should be who you are. And that's important. It's very, very, very important. And I think that it's important, like I said, with when I interact with clientele as it relates to styling that they're living in their authenticity. It's important in all of my relationships in life with with friends, family, acquaintances, business partners, etc. My child, most importantly, that she is living in her authenticity. That I am being the most authentic version of a woman that I can be. And that she can take her cues from me and then, like I did from my mother, take my cues and take my my blueprint and my bullet points and then modify and curate the version of myself for which I'd like to be outside of outside of you know what I've learned. And I think that the most important thing is that the seeds have been sown in the fabric of my life, the seeds that my mother planted are still growing daily. I'm still watering them and nurturing them. Um, and season to season, you know, the the flower is bro- blooming and the fruits are being produced. And I won't stop. And I'm going to continue to live every single day that God allows to prove to her that all of her efforts were not in vain, were not unnoticed, we're worthy, we're significant, and to make sure that the seeds that she has sown in my life produce thriving fruit, not just fruit that survived, not just fruit that were battle-tested, not just fruit that went through trials, tribulations, turbulence, and tragedies, and continue to just go along to get along or to keep one's head above water, but fruit that is thriving in all the joy 
that I deserve, all the love, joy, abundance, success, and genuine happiness that I think that any mother or any parent will want for their child now that, you know, they are an ancestor and looking down. And so I really think that sometimes it's important to remember in times of despair and in times of grief and when life is lifing and you feel out of control to focus on the things that you can instead of what you can't. And to remember that there is someone who created you. If they aren't here and they and they are now an ancestor and looking down, that went through a lot to get you here to a space where you are now living your life's journey the way you choose. But if you don't have a reason to push forward for yourself, start at the basis of the seeds they sowed within you and understand that it is important, if nothing else, to live each day to let them know that all of their efforts weren't in vain and they didn't do all of that for nothing. And that the lens for which they see you through is magnified through the fruitfulness you produce in your life. So that would be Sinetico's words of wisdom for today via uh, the OG soft girl, the OG style and soul goat, my mother, Jeanette Marie. Those would be my words of wisdom and my ways in which to uplift, inspire, and encourage you guys this week. And I know that I'm usually turned all the way up and this is more not more on a, a serious note or I wouldn't say a soulful note but that's just the mood I was in and I'm still so appreciative of you guys tapping in for the turn up and tapping in for the style the soul the life lessons and the luxury because again I'm not a monolith and neither is Sinet Nicole approved the podcast it is not monolithic it is all-encompassing and I think that there's a takeaway in in every episode and in every time you hear me out here gabbing away and um doing what I do best which is talking your ear off (laughs) but um I do definitely like I said realize that although my father was in the entertainment industry that my mother's impact resonates with my career path, with my life's journey, with how I live my life, with how I interact with others, with and with how I present myself visually through style and through my soul. When I think about some of the designs that I have curated and some of the things that I've had an affinity for, like staples in a Sinet Nicole wardrobe per se or closet, Again, it comes back to the OG, the origin, which is my mom. I had a real affinity for prints. I still do, but leopard print in particular, as we know, is like a classic fashion print. And for a long time, I had it everywhere. I had it on my business cards. Like one of my first business cards that I found the other day. Um, oh my God, I've been in business for myself for a very long time. Like I was all, I always had the entrepreneurial spirit even as a teenager. And one of my first business cards, I think it was like 
Hershia College has leopard print on it. It's ridiculous. But I realized that my mom's favorite print was leopard. I think that we take on a lot of our parents' spirit and visual presentation without realizing it. Leopard print was definitely one of it. One of those. One of the first ensembles I ever designed for one of my first fashion shows in college, she came and I used leathers and suede and all of her favorite colors like nudes and beiges and browns or whatever. And I wore these strappy like satin leopard printed stilettos. I'll never forget. I love those shoes. I wonder where they, I think I might have donated them now that I think of it after my foot surgery they're so like those would be like a total vintage um like Sinet Nicole's signature right now like if I had them I would definitely wear them again but anyway so I wore those with the ensemble that I curated and then I took a like a like a leather necktie piece and tied it around my neck and I had this little bouffant hairstyle or whatever and it was like how I one of the ensembles that I would wear towards the end of the show and at the end of the night, my mom came backstage and told me how much she loved my outfit and how proud she was of me. And I don't know if I consciously or subconsciously picked those colors because I don't know that those... I was more of a vibrant colored girl. I don't know that that is why I picked it. But something spoke to me about the material when I had the material out. I had different colors of materials and skins or whatever. And I just decided to do all of those colors. And she kept telling me how much she loved it. And my mother is not the type of person that's going to tell. She's going to encourage you and tell you how great of a job you did with something. But she's not going to tell you that she loves an ensemble or something visual if she really doesn't love it. So that meant a, a whole lot to me. And like I said, now in hindsight, which is 2020, I probably subconsciously was drawn to it because I always see her in those colors. Like my whole life. And so that was one of the first ensembles I... I curated for myself and I'm I think one of the ensembles that I'm most proud of just because of how what her reaction was to it and I can't say that I really have ever cared about how somebody felt about my ensembles ever or how again I dress for myself or how somebody feels about any of my visual presentations because I do what I want to do I've never even been the type of girl where someone may, makes a suggestion or a guy says he likes something and then I do it not at all not that girl. I may take heed if a guy was like, oh my God, I love your hair this way or whatever. And be like, oh, okay, that's a note to self, right? Like when I'm in the mood to get that hairstyle again, make sure that I see him or have him in mind. But I do what I want to do. So even if someone doesn't particularly love something I'm doing, if I love it, I'm doing it. That's just the way I live my life. And I think that's the way my mom lived her life. And I think that she wouldn't have it any other way. Um, looking down I know she's like that part <laughs> so yeah I make no apologies about that but I think that that was one moment where I actually was affected by how someone felt about my visual presentation which was my mom so I thought that that was a nice little story to note for sure I think that she she didn't she liked the red lip on her but like I said she was more of a darker lipped girl but she never let us wear, I don't know, you know, if other women can identify, particularly black women, no red lips, no red nails, it's too grown, it's too fresh or whatever. That was like, the, the, you know, the cardinal rule growing up. Like that was like, ooh, you can't have that. No, no red lip, red nail, what? Like, what are you thinking? You can have any other color with those. So now I'm obsessed with, and I would say obsessed 
with a red lip and a red nail is like a Sinet Nicole signature. <laughs> and I guess it's this, once you get grown, you just do. Those are one of the things that I was like, nah, I'm, I can't wait to wear a red lip and a red nail. Like that was, that's my judge to this day. Um, my nail tech, shout out to no IG Sophie, just had to talk me out of getting red nails because it's fall now. And I'm like, I had, you know, I've done the colors and the this and the that and the white and this and that. And now it's time to go back to my signature red. And she's like, can't we just do one more thing before you go back to your signature red for mad months? Um, so I just kept it, um, semi-natural this week with a big old 3D diamond on my middle finger, like a cluster of diamonds. But yeah, that's another thing. Nails, 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 toes. My mother was one of those people that it's like, listen, nails and toes are a must. Again, a Sinet Nicole mantra that I derived from her upbringing is focus on what you can control instead of what you can't. And when life is lifing, I'm at the nail place. When I'm not feeling so hot to trot, I'm at the hair salon. I'm at places that make me feel better, that lend itself to self-care. And it took me a long time to realize that not only are those forms of healthy self-care, but they are needed and necessary just as much as other things are. And you shouldn't have to deprive yourself of things like hair and nails, again, because society you know, places these burdens on women and mothers that they're not entitled to enjoy the fruits of their labor or to enjoy things that make them smile or heaven forbid that you care enough about your visual presentation to actually invest in it, that that automatically means that in other areas of your life, you're somehow lacking. Those areas being ones that are of service to others. And I think that most times when girls are into hair and nails and things like that and um, visual self-care, the only people that have an issue with it are the people who feel like me or the the women who do these things are doing them a disservice by doing it, right? Like it's t me getting my nails and maybe taking up time to make you a meal so now you're Aggie. Or if it's a fellow female who kind of condemns or, or shades or judges it's more so because deep down inside, whatever you loathe within me speaks to an insecurity within yourself that you wish that you could do away with. And so I say all that to say, girl, life is life in and you can get your nails done, do it. You want to get your toes done, do it. And my mother was also very big on getting your toes done year round. That's why I don't subscribe to the only get your toes done in the summer. Yuck. Like, child. You need to get your toes done year round. Again, not for a guy, not because you're going to wear open toe shoes all year, but because it's proper like self-care and the foot needs just as much care as any other parts of on your body. Like the same way you care for, you use, you know, skincare products and exfoliants and all these things. Your foot needs the same care. You know what I'm saying? Like get your toes done or do them yourself, but do them. And also, no, your partner does not want no crusty, rusty ass feet next to them. Because I don't. Like, if my, you know, husband or whatever takes care of his feet, that would make my heart smile. It would make my heart smile. Like, it's nothing wrong with a good soak and scrub, sir. Like, yes, it is necessary year round. I do not subscribe to just doing your toes in summer. And again, seeing my mother in the nail salon every two weeks doing these things made me feel that way and taking me along 
and you know letting me get my little manicures and then let me get my tips and now I'm obsessed and that's just the way it is and now my daughter's the same way she just she gets her you know manicures and her pedicures we make sure that we keep things up obviously she doesn't need to get all of the frills like me yet but she is now 12 she just turned 12 a few days ago and she just asked for her first like press-on set so I got her custom press-on set from Jay Allure um who makes luxury press-on sets. Shout out to Jay Allure. That's family. And so she curated a set based on, she curates, she sends out sizing charts and she curates nail sets based on your nail beds and your nail shape. They're beautiful. They're amazing. She can pretty much do anything you ask. And so I had her curate a set based on um, a design, a print that Bella Rose wanted. She had her custom set. She was so excited. She put them on. She had a two glam 12th party where we hired a makeup artist and a nail tech to come to a photo studio I rented out um, to do makeup and manicures for her friends. They took pictures. They toasted apple cider, cake, pizza, the whole, you know, kerfuffle. And so I say all that to say that she was also excited about these nails. And they were obviously very much age appropriate, very short, but still super cute. We're going on week two. They're still on, kicking, looking fabulous. She's taking pictures of them every morning on the way to school. Sis is still pressed for her press on. So shout out to JLO for those. And again, I don't think there's anything wrong. I think that it's important to raise a whole healed human. I think it's important to raise a child that is fundamentally happy and joyous in pursuit of their life's journey, a good person to other people who's moved through the world in a loving way and who's fundamentally a good person. And all of those qualities are extremely important, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I also want my child to indulge in things that bring them visual joy as well. And if she takes on her mom's um, routine, <laughs> militant routine of hair and nails, I'm here for it. You know, like I said, nails are self-care. Um, it's also a form of therapy. It's also a form of therapy without even knowing that it is. It is so, there's nothing more soothing to me than sitting in a nail salon and talking to my nail tech. She's, I've known her before I even was a parent. Like I said, she's one of my longest relationships. It's almost 16 years running. And every significantly tragic moment in my life, I ended up in a nail place. My brother was killed. I went to the nail place. <laughs> I went to the nail place after coming home from burying him down south because that was my place of solace. So you have to, like I said, again, control the things you can. Um, you know, when you feel like you're out of control, control the things you can instead of what you can't. And um, that's one of it. Like my nails are something I can control. So I was there. The day of my mom's wake before I, because I couldn't take it. Like, I couldn't walk into church. I needed some time. Me and my sister and my cousin went to the nail place and told everybody, do what you do and we'll be there in a bit. And went to the nail place and talked to my nail tech. When my grandmother passed away after they came from the burial, sat in the house for a little while with everybody, walked out, told them I'll be back, and went to the nail place to get my nail fixed. It's just my way. And I think I would, I would advise everyone to find a place of solace that is similar to that. Outside of like my meditation space at home, the nail place is my place of solace. Maybe it's the barbershop for guys. 
Maybe it's a sneaker store. I don't know. But I, I don't let anyone shame you into feeling like doing these kinds of things that are visually pleasing to yourself is not a way to sustain a sense of solace and relief from any kind of turbulence, tragedy, or grief you may feel or sadness. There are visual ways to help. Now, this is not going to solve it. This is not going to plug up the gaping hole that you may feel. Obviously, real therapy is real, right? And it's a thing. And I have a master's in psychology and I call myself the style psychologist for a reason. So I would say, obviously, if you feel a sense of distress or you feel completely out of control um, within your life and there's nothing that you can control, definitely go seek necessary help. There's absolutely no shame in getting said help. So definitely do that. But I do think there's something to be said about the joys of finding soul, right? Regurgitation or, or you know, happiness in one's soul through their visual style. I definitely think so. My mom was a living testament of all the things. As am I. And so, in wrapping up, this soulful episode that is dedicated to the OG Jeanette Marie, my mom, my queen. I will leave you with the Sinette Nicole says of the day by way of Jeanette Marie. And so obviously, you know, the very first, the very, very first Sinette Nicole says will be a Jeanette Marie says. And Jeanette Marie says, You never have to look like what you're going through. You never have to look like what you're going through. You choose the style story you want to tell. That part is me. (laughs) And if you don't know how to tell your style story, call me. Log on to SynetNicole.com. Write me at info at SynetNicole.com. DM me. Follow me on at Sinet.Nicole on Instagram, Sinet.Nicole together on Twitter, and on TikTok, I believe. Tap in with me, and we'll find a way to tell your style story and to find a way to, to intrinsically align your soul and your style in a way that helps you move through the world in a way that is pleasing, most importantly, to you, because you come first, and you can't be anyone to anyone if you're no one to yourself. That's another Sinet Nicole mantra. And I will leave you guys with a third mantra, which is when life is lifing and you feel out of control, control the things you can instead of the things you can't. And if that is doing your nails, if that is throwing on a fur, some skins, a bomb-ass purse, your favorite sneakers, your favorite fitted, going to the barbershop, doing your nails and toes, doing your hair, whatever it is that can regurgitate a sense of joy in a world of chaos and confusion, do that. And make sure you do it at the top tier level. And like I said, if you don't know how, call your favorite stylist, favorite stylist, and I'll be there for you. Just the way my mother was there for me and that she still is radiating through me and allowing me 
to uplift and encourage my Sinet Nicole Style Squad, all my luxury loves, and anyone who just has been tapped in today and every Wednesday. I appreciate you, Style Squad and Luxury Loves, for tapping in and tuning in with me for another episode of Sinet Nicole Approved, the podcast. I hope that your week is seamless, successful, and stylish as ever. Make sure to keep those standards just as high as these gas prices, these rent prices, and have the audacity that these politicians do, honey, and vote. <laughs> um, have the audacity to move through the world in a way that is most authentic to your most authentic self. Be sure to tap and tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. on 92.6 The Spot. You know better, so you better have done better already and downloaded that app for me. And be sure to catch the replays and tell a friend to tell a friend to catch the replays on Spotify and other streaming platforms under 92.6 The Spot. All links will be posted on all of my social media. Visuals will be on social media as well soon via YouTube and TikTok. Be sure to know your worth and never give discounts. And that is a direct Sinet Nicole quote. I love y'all for real, for free, and the long way. And as always, I will catch you next time. Smooches. <laughs>